0: Greetings, podcast listeners. Uh, the presentation I'll be playing here in a moment uh, is a conversation that was between myself and a proponent of uh, Israel doctrine, which is a subset of Black Hebrew Israelite movement. Um, we had a discussion on the ontology of the Trinity and the deity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this conversation took place on Google Plus. Uh, unfortunately, my voice is uh, somewhat distorted and sounds kind of weird. So I I guess you're just going to have to put up with that. Uh, I don't know how to exactly fix that without uh, messing up Carl's voice. So um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, start uh, playing that episode. Enjoy. All righty, folks. Welcome to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. I'm your host, uh, Jason Mullett. Uh, Today uh, we are going to uh, be having a live discussion with... um, Uh, an individual that uh, I have uh, met on Facebook by the name of Carl Albert. Um, He is part of a group that uh, uh, he goes by the name of Israel doctrine. Uh, They may have, uh, or have some uh, affiliation with the uh, Hebrew Israelite uh, movement, uh, but uh, he prefers to go by um, the belief system that he calls Israel doctrine. So, We're going to bring him into the show. Uh, For those of you that uh, uh, want to continue to follow the podcast and uh, the rest of these broadcasts, uh, you can go to logicalbelief.org, and uh, you can find the previous podcast there by clicking Podcasts on the top menu bar. Uh, You can also send uh, me messages, questions, words of encouragement, uh, jason at logicalbelief.org. Uh, you can also find uh, this podcast on iTunes. Just search for Logical Belief Ministry, and you should be able to subscribe to the channel there. So um, that takes care of all that. Uh, we'll uh, go ahead, and I'm going to bring um, Carl into the broadcast. Uh, look, Okay, looks like you're actually in the broadcast already, Carl. So I think if you just unmute your mic, I think you're all set, so.
1: Okay, peace. How y'all doing tonight? My name is Carl Albert. I'm currently residing in Arkansas. I sit over uh, IsraelDoctrine.org, which is uh, a website not just fully up yet. But you can go to my other website, which is IsraelDoctrineEntertainment.com. My belief is that, you know, the Bible... It is uh, a book written by Israelites for Israelites to share with the rest of the world about the uh, rules, laws, regulations, statutes, and wisdom of the God of Israel, given to his people first and then passed on to the rest of the world, so God can redeem his whole creation of man. And um, that's through the blood of Jesus Christ, the atonement blood, and um, we're here to deal uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, their relationship and of it. I'm going to do it best I can from a biblical perspective. I'm not one to really get into a lot of historical stuff. I believe the Bible is the final authority um, on biblical issues and biblical teachings and doctrine. And as the brother said, I reached out to him watching a uh, uh, um, debate or conversation with James White and a brother by the name of Raka from a Hebrew Israelite camp. And um, I just wanted to come and share another perspective of those of my, you know, background They look at things from that perspective as, uh, you know, the African Americans in America being a part of the lost tribes of Jacob, which uh, trained into the lost sheep of Israel the first of the flock, others to follow, as I said before, others from, you know, another flock or another nation or whatever, however have you.
0: Alrighty. So, um, Carl, uh, what we wanted to make the focus of the discussion today is we kind of wanted to continue our Facebook conversation that we had started and uh, you hold to a position when it comes to uh, God and who he is, his nature, his being, uh, you know who who is the Father, who is the Son, who is the Holy Spirit. Uh, you hold to a position that you you uh, take the position that you are a Henotheist. I believe that is uh, what you call it yourself. Um, so I'd like to just ask a few questions for clarification first, just to make sure I'm understanding and representing your position correctly. Um, the way that I've always understood Henotheism is the belief that there is one. Um, supreme being of God and that there are lesser deities they acknowledge the existence of other deities but uh, usually henotheists would only give worship to one particular being of God um, so I, the way I've kind of heard you describe it is you say that there are two equal beings of God which would be kind of more of a di view and not as much a henotheistic view but can we, can you maybe clarify that for me?
1: Yeah, well, I see it as, you know, theism due to the fact that, you know, you worship the father through the son and you do all this in the name of the son, Jesus, who came in his father's name. So in all actuality, they carry the same name, same titles. Um, they carry the same character, same goals, same everything. This is a state of oneness of being on one accord. Uh, the father being in the son, the son being in the father, and so on and so forth. So we worship the father in the name of Jesus, but the worship is truly to the father. Yet the father and the son is one, as you can see in many scriptures, scriptures that you read. Much much of the text of the Bible explains the relationship between the father and the son. I don't put a third in there because when I do read the text, we get, you know, the true God is Jesus called his father. The true God, the one that never left God body, God form, and, um, always been what the world will forever know as God. Jesus took on a lower form, Lord and angels, the, uh, seed of Abraham. And therefore, you know, he's flesh and bone. Now he's not, uh, the same type of spirit as the father and angels, you know, he, he left that state. So now, It's three forms of spirit from what I study, The father who is the true God, never left God, body, God, form. Jesus, who is also God, who left by God, body, um, God, form, came down as man. And as he prayed in um, John 17, he said, give me back the glory I had with thee before the world was. And that glory was celestial. But in the form of a terrestrial being, being turned into a celestial being, uh, flesh and bone. As we read about when Timothy, um, Timothy the have said was dealing with him when he said, oh, "Feel me," and he called him his Lord and his God. Okay, so,
0: okay, so w- 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 would you actually hold direction. that Jesus Himself <laughs> should not directly receive worship? Uh, you say he's. You only you worship the Father through Jesus. Can you so is can Jesus be directly worshipped?
1: Yes, he can be directly worshiped for those things that he do. I believe um, what belongs to one is rightfully his and for what Jesus did, he rightfully deserved honor, glory, and everything else for what he did. So You know, individually, he received it also. A uh, handful of people gave him praise, gave him worship, and he didn't say, don't worship me, worship the Father. You know, um, he actually took that worship. He,
0: he actually being, said, don't uh, worship me, worship the Father? Uh, I'm not familiar no, with that never,
1: text. I said he never said that, you know. he. Uh, oh, okay, okay. He actually took the worship and was good, you know, with it, with the worship of different individuals that – uh. You
0: know. okay. okay, so I, my, my question would be then, um, when Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter 4, um, when he was tempted by Satan, and uh, Satan uh, told him that uh, if, if he falls down and worships Satan, that uh, he would give him all the kingdoms of the world, and Jesus responds by quoting Deuteronomy 6.13, saying, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So since you hold that there are two beings of God, two ontologically separate beings of God, when Jesus says that you should worship only God, and then later on he accepts worship as you admitted, um, but you're saying that, uh, who who is the God that he is referring to when he says, uh, when he quotes Deuteronomy 6.13?
1: Well, that's his father, the true God, the one that never left God body, so never, never left the uh, form of being God. So, in in saying that he had took on a lower form, he had became man, and and you know, in the sense of the word, man is not the worship man. So he always gave glory back to the Father, unlike Moses did when he tried to take glory, and for that he didn't make it to the promised land. Once again, you got to give glory to who glory belonged to and jesus had not yet did those things that he once would you know be glorified as he said i have glorified thee on earth now father giving the glory back to the father and receiving his glory for that glorious work that he uh carried out in the father's name
0: so in jesus quoting deuteronomy six thirteen here it says you shall worship the lord your god and him only shall you serve you're saying that he is saying to worship only the Father, which I'm sure, uh, I want to make sure I'm understanding what you're saying here. Uh, but then Jesus himself accepts worship in Matthew 14, 33 by his disciples in the boats where he uses the exact same word there, proskuneo in the Greek. Um, so you're you're saying that Jesus says here that you should only worship the Father, but then later on he accepts Truscaneo, he accepts worship?
1: No, he didn't worship. say only worship the Father when he, when he was speaking uh, uh, worshiping God. If he's in the form of man and not in the form of God, then when he's saying worship only God, then he's speaking about the Father at that particular moment when you're dealing with audience relevancy. When you deal with the fact that he becomes deified again, if you want to say that, or he becomes God again, then he's worthy of what he stated only worship God and seeing that him and the father is one whatever is the father is his and whatever is his is the father then the glory the worship and everything that belongs to them belongs to them the Elohim the Godhead
0: okay I'm you're gonna have to I'll probably clarify it. clarify it for me because I'm not I'm not quite following your logic here so he's saying to only worship god here but you're saying that are, are, there, you can you can worship, worship another be, but jesus is a separate being of god so you can worship you can worship him also as a god
1: well, we we know the term elohim is a uni plural word mm-hmm. plural in some sense and you know meaning one and others it's a compound noun. it's all ju- also a majestic plural so when you said worship god and god is in Elohim is more than one. Well, th- here in, one, at one time, then there you have it. You can worship more in the sense of oneness.
0: Yeah. Well, here, here in Matthew four, it's actually Greek. It's not Hebrew. It's the word theos for God. And, uh, it says you shall worship the Lord, your God and him only shall you serve. So, You're saying, though, that Jesus is a separate Theos, a separate God, who can also be worshipped?
1: Yes. When Jesus uh, rose from um, the sepulchre, he said, Touch me not. I have not ascended to my father, your father, my God, your God. So now he's saying that his father is your God. But now when Timothy, or however you say that, when he... When he touches on, he said, my Lord, my God. So his, Jesus' father is his Lord and his God, and Jesus also is his Lord and his God, meaning he worshiped one or he could worship the other, and he do not have to deny the other one. Though he give one worship or turn and give the other one worship, he's still not going to deny the other one or deny that one his worship when it's time to give him what belongs to him.
0: Yeah, there's, there's no doubt that the uh, members of the Trinity refer to
1: each other as
0: God. We see that in Hebrews chapter 1, where uh, the Father refers to the Son as God. Uh, Jesus himself in his incarnation was not an atheist. <laughs> he, uh, he referred to the Father as God. Um, it is, uh, he, uh, when he was speaking to Thomas, And speaking to the other disciples, he refers to the Father as their God because the Father is also their God. But that in no way refutes uh, the—that is very consistent with uh, the Orthodox Trinitarian view of God and because both Jesus and the Father, both the Son and the Father, are ontologically one being of God. They exist in different subsistences, so the different persons refer to each other as God, but as the Shema says in deuteronomy six four uh, the Lord our God is one; there is one God, and uh, I want you to deal with um, uh, several texts. Uh, well, actually, even before we do that before before we jump into that, I want to make sure I understood I was watching one of your previous videos. And you were quoting uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20, uh, where you said that uh, um, in the Ten Commandments it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And what you had actually said at that point was that that text doesn't say that you can't have any gods after God. Is, or do you still hold to that? Is that still your position?
1: Yes. Yes. If- this is this the situation, right, uh, based up on my research and study of the text, right? That Jesus is our God, our Lord, and our Father. And he is the son of his God, his Lord, his Father. Both of them carry the same titles, Father, Lord, as well as God. Jesus in John 5 and 37 said, no man is seen nor heard his father at any time, meaning they have not dealt with the one he called a true God at any time. So if they dealt with a God and it was not Jesus father, and it only leaves you one more, not two more, because when you said the father and the son referred to each other as God, you didn't say they referred to the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit or the Comforter or the spirit of truth. As God, I didn't hear you say that. Maybe you'll come back and address that later, but that gives you only one other being to deal with. So if you go to John one and one and read it, say in the beginning, was the word? We know that to be Jesus name. You could go to first uh, John and you will see they handled the word of eternal life. Then you could go to Revelation. I forget which one it is. And it said his name is the word of God. So that's a name not a symbolic, vocal utterance or whatever, God, a word, quote, unquote. It's a name for Jesus there. So it's us say, in the beginning, was the word? So let's just put it how we know it. In the beginning, was Jesus? Jesus was with God, and he was also known as God. So Jesus was with his father, and he was also known as the same type of being as his father, God. Right. It said without Jesus was not nothing made. Right. Let's get the script so I can kind of quote it verbatim.
0: So right? so they are the same type of being, but they are not the same being.
1: Is that is correct? That what and I believe that holds dear to your uh, your understanding of least those two. Maybe not the three so, that you implying, but those two, I believe we agree on that.
0: So I, w- I would like to um, have you for. Uh, clarify for me what you describe as the being of God. Uh, could you give me some attributes of God?
1: Attributes, um, yeah.
0: like is 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 uh, is God the Father? Let's go with God the Father here. Um, is He omnipotent? Would you agree that He's omnipotent, omnipresent, uh, infinite? Yeah,
1: break those down. So, because we might not agree up on those titles how they define. So, if you can say it and then it's, just give us. Oh. Brief okay. explanation of what you mean when you say that.
0: Okay, so um, God God is omnipotent, meaning He is all powerful. He can accomplish anything that He desires according to His nature and His own will. Um, uh, God is uh, omnipresent, meaning that God is all where, every place at all times. Uh, Psalm one thirty nine: If I go into the depths of the ocean, behold you are there. If I go to the depths, uh, Sheol, behold you are there. Uh, God is everywhere. That's omnipresent. Um, that God is omniscient, meaning that God knows all things. Um, there's nothing that he does not know. God is infinite, meaning that uh, uh, just what the word infinity means, that there is no beginning or end to any of his attributes or his being.
1: So well, that's the dis- one, thing, one thing I can't agree on when you say all knowing, because Jesus said it's in the Father's hands to know certain things and it's not in his. So in that case, they're not equal at that yeah. point. For the yeah. father, nobody don't know, and that, he that's what that, that's the father. He in his footstool.
0: Yeah, that's where we have to understand the incarnation in Philippians chapter two. Uh, he humbled himself uh, and became a servant. Uh, he was made a little lower than the angels, uh, Hebrews. And so Jesus veiled uh, himself, and so Jesus grew in wisdom. But the eternal Son of God. Uh, the, um, the second person of the Trinity has, uh, eternally existed with all the attributes fully of, of God. And so that would be why I would ask you to define the being of God, because what you're then saying is that there are two, uh, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, uh, infinite, omnisapient, uh, two beings that have a satiety, um, that you're saying that there are two beings that have all these attributes.
1: Correct. Okay. That, that would be correct. And as as it as it's understood from what you're saying, when he took a lower level and became a servant, then there's certain things that he well,
0: lacked. incarnation, he
1: yeah. Had at the time. He, he lacked certain things. And when, when he comes back, he has to be informed of those things because it's like anybody, if I'm running a corporation – And I'm a CEO and you co-CEO or you, you know, the under-CEO, the one under me. Well, if you leave, we've been doing business together all this time. If you leave and I've been handling business and you ain't been in the meetings and stuff, well, I would have to inform you of some things that took place while you took your leave, leave of absence. And that's what Jesus taking on the form of man was with the Father. So when he got back to heaven, yes, he had to be informed about some things.
0: Okay. So I want to go back to your exegesis of uh, Exodus uh, 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. And you say that does not mean that there are no gods after him. Is that still your assertion?
1: Correct. Because if you're dealing with Jesus and you know no other God, but yet his father is also God, which this is clearly what he states when he comes in the flesh, he let people know that there's another one. So uh, So, I close the book. So I want to deal with that, John, right quick to show, because that's what.
0: let me, let me give you a follow-up question, and then we'll go back to John one, 1 because uh, you're using circular reasoning there, because you're assuming henotheism. But let's, let's go to Isaiah 43.10, and it says, I want to do a follow-up question to you, saying that there are God's, uh, Exodus 20, verse 3 doesn't exclude God's coming after him. Uh, in Isaiah 43, verse 10, it says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. So are you saying that there is a God after God, the father?
1: Uh, The key statement there is form. Uh I don't believe you believe that God was formed at any time. God is the one that creates. God was not created. Now, unless you hold to the point that the father created Jesus, then Jesus, even being God, has never been created. So Jesus have not been formed in the beginning when he was with the father, the word, nor was the father formed. So when Jesus said, there has not been a God formed before me, then he's talking about the ones that man create with his own hand and with his own imagination, new gods, newly formed, right? So those are the ones he's talking about most of the time when he's speaking of that. He's identifying these false deities and false gods that people have came up with and created, and he would never liken himself unto them, nor would he like them liken them unto him. He said, Well, where's your gods now? You go to Deuteronomy 32, you'll see he's the rock of our salvation. But he told sure. the Israelites, because Jeshuan waxed fat and they start dealing with these false gods, even devils, he said, Well, for that, I'm gonna leave you to their gods and see what their gods are gonna do, in the sense of saying, I'm gonna sell you off and their rocks is what you're gonna be dealing with now these false deities that you've been worshiping and let's see if they can save you and if they could do anything for you seeing that they bear witness of themselves that they are not God and so on and so forth so Deuteronomy 32 and 39 says see now that I even I I am he and there is no God with me I kill I make alive I wound I heal neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand for I lift up my hand to heaven and say I live forever. If I was, we don't need that. We'll skip down um, or go up. Uh, Yeah, thirty-seven is where he showed the statement of. uh, One second. I'm not doing that show. It won't come on. I'm doing a show on another broadcast. I'll call you back later. I, I have
0: still a follow-up question for you on that, so let me know when you...
1: Okay, let me, let me just, uh, let me finish, and then it's like 31, in 30, Deuteronomy 32, it said, uh, 31, for their rock is not our rock, even our enemies themselves being judged. 37, and he shall say, where are they gods? They're a rock in whom they trust. So once again, these are the ones that he said in 17, they sacrifice unto devils, not to God. So he's saying these are images, statues, and gods that's coming up. They're not God. To gods whom they do not, to new gods that they came that came newly up, whom their fathers knew not. These things, he still identified them by using the term God, but they're not gods, even okay. by us on the mission here.
0: Okay, so okay. Uh, back to the back. attributes of God. Oh God. So, so would you say that holiness or being holy is an attribute of God?
1: Yeah, yes. Are there,
0: are there two holy beings?
1: Most definitely.
0: Okay, so in First Samuel chapter two, verse two, it says, "There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God." So, how do you uh, comport uh, your beliefs to you. two holy beings uh, when there is only one holy like the Lord?
1: I just, I just showed you the scripture in Deuteronomy thirty-two, which is. It's not a, a coincident that I went there and dealt with the rock. Right? Let's go to um, Psalms 45 and deal with this because we dealt with the Christ all alone. We're going go well, to go Psalms 45. Well, could, you,
0: could, could, go. could you exegete First Samuel 2, 2? There is none holy like the Lord.
1: Could you deal with that text? Once again, in the Old Testament, it only dealt with one. They never dealt with the Father. They only dealt with the one. So he only spoke in singleness, only so, spoke in singleness. He never talked about the one that's after him. No, there's no, there's,
0: there's no doubt. I, I agree that the different persons of the Godhead speak uh, for God because they all are God. There's no doubt about that. that uh, that's simply assuming your position. But there is none holy like the Lord. There is, there is no other. You affirm that there are two. And so what you're saying is that uh, later revelation that there are two beings of God contradicted earlier revelation that said that there was only one single being of God.
1: No, nah, it's, it's it's not that, and I know you use some logic, but the logic is you have to identify who he's talking to there, what he's saying there. What, why is he addressing this like that? You're just reading a blanket passage you, passage you didn't read in context before, uh, after the passage, you well, just want well, to the it in, read,
0: read it hey, in context. You can read it in context. First Samuel. Okay,
1: I, I go there, but I, I, I really wanted to go somewhere else with it. But I see you want to uh magnify that point there, which I have no problem with that. I'm saying that without even going there and dealing with the context of it, when God speaks in the Old Testament singly, not telling you that it's one behind Him, in the sense that He state before Him, He always talking about false gods. So when he compare himself to false gods, them false gods is not holy. You ask, was the Father holy and was Jesus holy? I say yes. Then the that you read about these rocks, we just explained that them rocks is false gods, even devils. They're not holy, unless you call them demons and devils holy now. Then when he's referring to those demons and devils or them false idols, we can't say they holy. So that's what he's talking about. And no, he's there's, actual,
0: in no, there, there's none holy like the Lord. My assertion does not affirm that any other being outside of the being of God is holy. You are actually asserting that there are two holy beings, two separate ontologically separate beings that are both holy.
1: Well, I'm and, not doing that. That's what the Bible's doing. That's why I want to read the scripture to confirm that the Bible is letting you know that there is another one. The Father is holy and the Son is holy. And whatever you define holy as, you could deal with that in the context of holiness. The Father is not lesser than the Son, nor is the Son lesser than the Father. So therefore, you know, they're both one and the same. Now, if you want a lesson one, uh,
0: yeah, I, I agree with that. That's actually a very orthodox Trinitarian thing to say. There, they are the one and the same God, but they are distinct and separate persons.
1: And, right. Uh, so if one is holy, if one is holy and the other one is equivalent to him, then what you gonna call him unholy or what what are we gonna say about him?
0: Well, they're both the same being of God, so therefore they are both holy, because the attributes of God, so there's there is uh we're speaking right now of two persons uh within the infinite being of God. There's one being of God. There's not two beings of God. There's only one being of God shared equally. And that yeah, this is, is this is consistent with all of Scripture. So when all of Scripture says there is no other God before God, there's no one after, it says that uh, you shall not have any other gods before him. Uh, the Trinitarian Orthodox view is very consistent with this. This is this theistic view that there are two ontologically separate gods renders all the scriptures' warning in the Old Testament against worshiping other gods other than the Lord completely meaningless. Uh, it it renders them completely inert. Uh, they have no meaning whatsoever anymore.
1: So what's the what's the clear cu- clear cut viewpoint you're trying to push there? A talking point? Because either they're both holy or they're not both holy. Either they're both God or they're not both God. If you say, well, our God is one, meaning that that's our God and that's our God, in the sense that we know it's two, we still understand the oneness, just like that's a man and that's a woman, but yet they get married and the Bible say the two are one. Just as the corporate body as the church is, it say has many members, meaning many different individuals in it, but those individuals are one. So when you talk about being one, it's more of a oneness than just a numerical value of unos, a singular. You know what I'm saying? So that is oneness.
0: You're assuming uh, created categories. Uh, You're assuming uh, created categories in that God in his being is infinite. So he can be shared, uh, uh, two human beings have both a finite being. Uh, they cannot be uh, my human nature. My being as a human cannot be shared by more than one person. God's nature is infinite. Um, and so therefore God's being, um, is shared by Th- uh, three persons specifically, but we'll get into the deity of the Holy Spirit. Right, but
1: at the same uh, yes, time, before. man man being is man being, man lust is man lust. Everything that another man, is no temptation that's uncommon to all of us because we the same as the breath of life leave my lungs, I die as the breath of life leave your lungs. So we equivalent. And when they say man, it's talking about the whole, it's a you know, plural word. So when you say man, that's the whole of all of us, you, me, and every other male and female that's been created for for us coming out of the womb, but yet and still we are man, we are one.
0: Yeah, the difference there is the scripture nowhere says that there is only one human being. However, scripture does make it emphatically clear over and over and over that there is only one God. There is only one being of God. There is none before, there is none after. Uh, he created, there's no rock. He that's knows not of any other.
1: Language, that's figurative. Uh, how do that, you take figurative and make it literal? Seeing mm-hmm. that you're you literally, literally saying that it's two beings, and then you say, but it's only one God. So how do you take a figurative uh, and make it well, literal?
0: When did I ever say there was two beings? That's that's your position. My uh, position is there, are only, there is only one being of God.
1: Yeah, but... You agree that it's two individual beings, right, that make no. up the oneness?
0: No, 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 no. Do Do you understand the the doctrine? Okay. Of the Trinity? There's question. only one. There's only one being of God.
1: So I have to ask there... you the question now: uh-huh. Is the Father the Son?
0: No, the Father is not the Son.
1: Is the Son the Father?
0: No, the Father is not the or the Son is not the Father.
1: So that's two different beings, right?
0: No, that you're assuming Unitarianism. You're you're assuming that no, I'm
1: not assuming the, nothing. No, I'm no, asking no, a question
0: no, no, now. No, no. no, no let you, me clarify here. You are assuming. You are assuming that the being of God can only be shared with one person. You're assuming Unitarianism. Uh, no,
1: I'm not assuming uh, none of that. I'm trying to whenever, understand your position, what you're saying from your Orthodox position of the Trinity. So yeah. I want you to clarify. I don't want to assume what you believe or what y'all teach on it. I want you to clarify. Your teachings, teaching, so I'm asking very fundamental logical questions about your doctrine, right? Okay, you said so, so,
0: so there's let only me, one God, right? Yeah, let, let me explain it. Let me explain this to you because whenever I make a distinction between the persons of the Godhead, you always assume that means there's different beings. That is not the Trinitarian view. That's why I'm saying you're assuming Unitarianism. You're assuming that if there is one person, uh, that that corresponds to only one being and that if there is another person that well, corresponds to a, another person. separate being, that is not the Orthodox Trinitarian view. The Orthodox well, that's not Trinitarian person. view
1: that's is that like person because I think person will uh, dilute the conversation because God is a spiritual being, would you agree?
0: Absolutely. Yes, that's correct. So
1: now either there's only one spiritual being known as God or there's two spiritual beings known as God and There's you having clarified your position on if the father is a spiritual being that's known as God, or if the son is also another spiritual being known as God, we're not going to say person. We're going to talk about being, Yeah. Or we could go, that's a deity yeah. and this is a deity, or this yeah. is a God and that's a God. And dealing with that, I think we'll get a
0: yeah, you, keep, you keep assuming Unitarianism and that's what you just did there again. Uh, you're confusing the being. categories of being and person. You're confusing the categories. Those are separate I'm not categories.
1: So if the definition if the definition that you're using and the term that you're using has person in it, I just, just know that by saying I'm not talking about person, I'm talking about a being. If I'm talking about a being, I'm not saying that God is a person. I'm saying that God is a spiritual being which you agree that God is a spiritual being and now the question is is it two spiritual beings known as God or is it one singular being known as God?
0: Yeah, can I answer that? Um, The answer to that, there is only one spiritual being of God and there exists within the one spiritual being of God three subsistences, three uh, uh, hypostases uh, persons within the one spiritual being homo usius, there is one substance of god there's only one god but he exists in three distinct separate persons subsistences and this is where well, i keep trying to explain to you is that whenever i make a distinction between being and person you assume unitarianism whenever i define the father as a different Whenever I define the Father as a different person, you assume that is a different being. But that is not the Orthodox
1: Trinitarian now, I'm not view. assuming that either. I want you to be pacific with that. I'm not assuming that. I want you to be pacific with that because I'm pacific as the scriptures are that, okay, let's go to Psalms 45. It say, right, verse 7. It said, thou look, okay, we'll pick it up at 6. It said, thou throne, O God. So we're talking about God. Is forever and ever. The sceptica of thou kingdom is a righteous sceptica. Thou lovest righteousness. Thou hated wickedness. Therefore, God, this is who we talking about now. And you, you're stating how you see that singular being and how he come in three parts or three, whatever the thirds you dealing with. It said thou God. So now it's saying God, your God has done what? Anointed thee. So we know the anointed one is the Messiah, the Masiach, the Christ. So we have a God that's known as Christ, right? That we didn't dealt with all this time. A as person Christ person said, We never dealt with his father, right? So then we have two here. One has anointed one and one has been anointed by one. So when we go back to the John one, as we was there before, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now, if the Word is with another being, the Word being a being, and God being a being that the Word is with, then that's two. And then it said the Word in 14, John 1 and 14, it said the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Ten (laughs) said he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not
0: you're you're confusing the construction there in in first in John chapter 1 verse 1 it says um, in the beginning was the word NRK and ho logos we have the the uh, um, the word there with the definite article. We have the next one here with the definite article, but then it says, and the word was God specifically in the word, in the, in the Greek text. Let me pull it up to make sure I'm uh, doing this justice. Um, is it specifically John very carefully uh, there uh, in his construction of John chapter one, verse one is being very careful uh, to avoid uh, civilianism or modalism or even Unitarianism, which is what you keep assuming, uh, theos, ain ho logos. What he's saying there in the last clause there, Kai theos ain ho logos is that, uh, theos there, God, um, is the word. And is he's, he's using it in the exact same construction. For example, John does in first John where he says, for example, God is love. What he's not saying is that love is God. He's saying God is love. And in the same way here, he's saying that the word is God, but he's not saying God is the word. Because if God is the word, then that makes the Father also, which is in the first clause there, that makes the Father also uh, the word. It makes them one being. So he's making, uh, or I'm sorry, one, one person. Uh, uh there's only that makes the father and the son the same person. He's being very careful in with his language there in John chapter one with his construction um, of uh the nominatives, the the subject and and the uh the direct object there in order to define that as uh to make a clear distinction that the word there is, uh, is God, is of the substance and essence of God, but that he's not saying um, that God is the word. Uh, well, so, so as to, uh, to make sure that the father there is not uh, confused and that that way the separate persons are maintained as distinguished. But John is a strict monotheist. He holds to Deuteronomy 6, uh, 4. He says the Shema every day. He's a Jew. He believes that there is only one God, and but yet he believes that Jesus is God. We see this throughout all of the New Testament, that the writers of the New Testament believed very clearly that Jesus was God, which I don't think you have any any argument with that. The problem is, is that whenever you see the distinction of persons, you 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 have this assumption of unitarianism. You have this assumption that whenever a person is, a uh, distinguishment is between persons. That also means a distinguishment between in being, and that is an assumption that you have that you're bringing to the text.
1: No, it's it's not an and, assumption. Once again, that's, that's a uh, that's a bad statement to make towards my statements. It's not that I'm assuming anything. I'm dealing with the text as it is written. If it say I I am my father. I and the broadcaster are on what accord with this show today. You are a being and I am a being.
0: You're assuming Unitarianism there. You just assumed once again person and being are are, uh, interchangeable in the same thing and that's what I'm telling you is that there is okay, a distinction term, between being and person.
1: Do you want to use the term entity? There's or do you want other, call it or do you want to call it theos and deal with the fact that that's a well, theos and that's a I, theos,
0: I'd rather, theos? I I would rather use historical, consistent theological language uh, that has always been used. Uh, I would say homoousias, which means substance, one substance. Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are of one substance, homoousios, and, and they who, are. And who
1: said it though?
0: Usius is. uh I think Tertullian might have been the first one to use the term homoousios. So if who I, is
1: Tertullian? Is he? Is he, um, Is he Paul? Is he Peter? Is he part of that first century? Um,
0: no, what I'm just simply saying is, I'm going to only use language when I say, and I'm going to say being and person, because that is how we distinguish. We see in Scripture that there is only one God. And well, the, problem, the problem with your position is that you, you create two separate gods, which, uh, well, which scripture, what scripture does, right? What? No, Scripture does not do that. Scripture says very okay. clearly there is only one God. Well, that that is that is why the doctrine of the Trinity is very clearly taken from the text of
1: scripture. It's it's, because I understand that you you read you read pretty good and stuff, too. I don't have no problem with that. But let's read some scripture because I just read you a scripture. If if you would give me your breakdown of Isaiah 45 and tell me. And show me how God is anointing himself or uh, uh, anointing who is how is this working here? I mean, I gave you a scripture and it clearly say God, your God, meaning God has a God, right? Uh, Thou means your, right.
0: So if I'm God and
1: I have a God that's anointing me, then mm-hmm. is this not two entities, two deities, two beings, two persons, or whatever terminology that denotes the singularity of the two not being the same?
0: I think I think you're referring to Psalm 45. I think you said Isaiah 45, but uh, Psalm, Psalm 45, 45,
1: most definitely,
0: yeah, Psalm, Psalm 45, which is actually quoted by the writer of Hebrews. Most definitely. Um, uh, but uh, well, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but it, I don't think it was Paul. I say Paul. Uh, well, we can get into that discussion some other time. But uh, in uh, in uh, Psalm 47, or I'm sorry, 45, beginning of verse seven says, "You loved." Uh, righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, this is actually, uh, well, actually, let's go to let's go to verse eight. I, I love this. Your throne, O God, and, and this is in in um, the first chapter of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews actually is is saying here that God the Father here, the person of the Father, is speaking to the person of the Son, and he says, "Your throne, O God." is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Uh, This is speaking about the Jesus in his incarnation, that he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness beyond your companions. The three persons of the Trinity, even though they are one being of God, refer to the the three persons within the one being of God refer to each other as God because each person within the Trinity is fully God since the being of God is infinite. Uh, All three persons share the full being of God. So therefore the father can refer to the son uh, while they are distinct persons the Father can refer to the Son as God. The Son refers to the Father as God. He does so in His Incarnation. Uh, and the Holy Spirit uh, can refer to both the Son and the Father as God, and uh, we can even see, for example, in Acts, where the Apostles refer to the Holy Spirit as God.
1: Uh, so- I would like to read that verse in the Acts, but can I get the link to the YouTube channel so I can give it to people? They know we're doing this, but they, I can't simultaneously broadcast so oh yeah
0: I, mean, I can uh, you want me to put it in the chat?
1: Yeah you put it in the chat and okay. then um also um I would like to see somebody referring to the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost the Comforter that the Father and the Son should send in his name and referred to as God. I never read that I believe that's a assumption that you know yeah we'll,
0: we'll deal we deal with uh holy We'll we'll deal with, actually um we'll deal with the Holy Spirit here in a little bit
1: and uh, if could you also give me a definition and um show me where you getting this understanding of what a being is because you keep using the term person and being like they're they're um not equivalent to each other so I would like yeah. to know
0: absolutely and that and that is exactly what is your issue is you keep assuming person and being is the same thing uh for example okay so let let me explain it to you this way so uh for example um uh this give
1: me a definition more than explain it and, and so i I well, have a finite i have a finite primary of what where you getting this statement from, so you know, if it's made up of you or you're or you're creating it simultaneously as you're talking and it's uh, more spontaneous, then I don't have something finite to hold on to. So if it's, you know, Webster Dictionary, uh, whoever dictionary that you're using or uh, even looking up online, I would like to hold you to the standard of that definition.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, a being has to do with the nature or essence. Ah, uh, nature or essence uh, or uh, substance um, of, for example, this um, thing right here has has being. It doesn't have personhood, but it has being. It, it's its substance. It has essence. It has it has a uh, summary of a, uh, attributes and properties that define its substance and essence. And so, therefore, there is one substance, essence, and nature. Uh, Those uh, would be uh, three words that I would use um, almost synonymously. Uh, Nature, essence, and substance. Uh, And being would be another one. Or ontos is another term. Um, Also spirit. Uh, These are all uh, mostly synonymous terms. And so when we say that there is one nature, there is one essence, uh, there is one being, there is one ontos, there is one spirit, uh, of God, uh, that is what we're referring to. There is one being of God. Everything that exists has ontology. Has um, its metaphysical makeup is that it has, it has, um, it has ontology. It has being. So the, this book right here, you know, or my Bible, so right can here, it, has, it has being. Okay.
1: So can I ask you a question? You say you, yeah.
0: Now, now I'm I right. have, I I also have being, I'm a human being. I have a nature, I have an essence, which is a set of attributes that make up my being, but I'm also a person. This here has being, but it does not have personhood. So we all see, all of us, again, every day, see uh, the distinction have... between personhood and being.
1: I, I I I seem to understand what you're saying. I, I don't have a problem comprehending um, speech, but um, I do have a problem not seeing a primary in which you are basing these statements off of. Because person in whatever dictionary and whatever um, definition that one gives in that dictionary may not fit what you're saying, and so. If you're using these words, you have to get them from somewhere to be able to use okay. them in your logic. So I'm, I'm trying to see how do you formulate this logic based off the primary text in which, you know, whatever dictionary defines what a person and being is.
0: Okay. You know? So go to, go to dictionary.com and search for being. And uh, the first and uh, third definition there is what I'm working with. Well, actually, the first three. Uh, the fact of existing, existence, conscious, mor- uh, uh, mortal existence, life, the substance or nature, something that exists, um, and so forth. That is what being is. Uh, and that is how I'm using being. I'm distinguishing it from person. There are things that have being and there are things that um, have personhood. We all see a distinction between that. Uh, yeah, but... This, I- this here has being, but it does not have personhood. If you can see the difference between that, then you see the difference between being and person.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's like man wisdom is dominating the the, 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 the discourse due to the fact that if we're going to use words, um, unless we say the KJV has somehow been mistranslated or they has, you know, totally botched, what they came up with in the KJV I, you know, if it's a God, I don't want to call God a being or a person and this and that and miss misinform the people or uh, 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 mislead the people or even dumb down the people to that. That's a God. And that's a God. If I say being and being defines and denotes a certain thing, then I play with context of that definition. Then I'm taken away from, the actual wording, wording then, of the Bible.
0: Then why then why does on your own website where you have Trinity Factor fiction and in your own statement of faith do you use the word
1: being? Because I, I I'm using the terminology talking to people just like I'm using it now talking to you. You so, use the
0: term you use exactly exactly. So let's right. let so use so language talking and let's not...
1: people, in, in talking with people right so at the same mm-hmm. time if you gonna if I'm gonna give to your language um, layout and said, well, we're going to talk like this to try to understand and speak the same language and speak the same thing to each other and understand that, then I'm asking you to come back on my side and understand the language that's truly just written in the Bible as plain as day. Not me doing anything on my website or you doing anything on your website or your broadcast, but what the Bible say. Because I believe it holds more authority than in the modern day translator, right? Any modern day translator, because King James had people translate it, and they would be more closer to the time frame in which these words was used and how they was really functioning back then. Now they may function in another way with updated dictionaries and dictations from that dictionary. So We have to use both language to try to understand each each other's position. I believe that's that's being logical, reasonable, and you know, passing it back and forth with the dialogue to see where we both fit.
0: Yeah. My question would be for you is what language can you use then to to actually exegete texts which say beside me there is no God in the Old Testament and there's only one God repeatedly it says this in the Old Testament over and over and over. We can go to many many verses. There's only one who is holy. There is only one Redeemer. There is only one uh, Savior. There is no rock besides God. Uh, These texts say this over and over. Since you, since so let's use. So so, how can you using common day language? How can you stay consistent with those texts?
1: Well, with your description again, of God. Once again, it's the ignorance of who we talking about and how we talking about it, right? If we look at all of those, let's take a let's just take a time and look at it, right? Let's go. Let's go look at it. I have a I have a breakdown of all of that here. As you say, Deuteronomy six and four. Here, O Lord, the the Lord our God is one Lord. Well, we know it. Say the Lord said unto my Lord, that will be two lords. Exactly. One Lord once once again,
0: you're assuming Unitarian. I'm not assuming. Sorry.
1: I'm stating what the book say. Do the book. Hold up. Do the book not say the Lord said unto my Lord?
0: Absolutely. There's two persons. Now, of now God. if I don't There's say two. There's two persons.
1: If I don't give any commentary about that text, then you will have to say the writer of that text is doing what you say, not me, because I'm only quoting the text verbatim. So,
0: so how do you, Carl, then, how do you comport text like uh, Psalm 45, which is a very good one, to prove the Trinity, how do you comport that text, which has two persons speaking to one another and referring to each other as God and Scripture that says that there is only one God?
1: Now, I want to stay down the path that I I, I initially started when I said Deuteronomy 6 and 4. I I don't (laughs) think you
0: answered my question. I'm going to repeat the question here. You didn't answer my question. How do you, Carl, comport Scripture that has two persons speaking to one another and referring to each other as God and Scripture that says there is only one God? How do you... uh,
1: I hear you asking that question now, but I just asked you about that a while ago and asked you to explain to me, which means it will be on you first to show forth how you see God, your God anointing you. How do God have God anointing him, but it's only one God and there's no other God? Is is no other being or however you want to say it to to convey the right message to the people, because that's what we're dealing with him, the conveying of the message of God. So if God is one being with two persons or however you explain it, because I'm, I'm truly not understanding your position on it. I'm comprehending, but I'm not understanding. Right. So if there's two persons, there will be God and God, that person. Anointing that person not that being anointing that being from what I'm gathering from our conversation and the terminology being used here, but it's still two persons and one is anointing the other one. So if I'm wrong, explain to me your position and I give you my position and both our positions can be on record and we can dally on to the next.
0: Yeah. You actually, I think about right there is about the best description. I think I've heard you give so far. Yes. There are two be, uh, persons, since they're both fully God, since the being of God is infinite. They're one person of God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Each person can refer to each other as God.
1: Well, you and mean one being of God and two persons? You said two correct. persons of God. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, uh, two
0: persons of God. Yeah.
1: One, they're, one person of God.
0: Person, they're not one third God. They're not one third God apiece. Each person within the Godhead is fully God. Um, the being of God is infinite.
1: And well, so, can you show me a new? Can you show me a numerical value there of more than two persons within that context of uh, uh, Psalms 45? I keep on to say Isaiah for some reason. Psalm 45. I only well, see
0: therefore God the
1: your numer- God. The numerical value of two persons in that being that we call in God from your terminology.
0: A- abso- absolutely. One person within the Godhead refers to another person within the Godhead as God because they're all God.
1: Where's the third person? It's not
0: not in this text. Not in this text. Uh, We we can go to talking about the Holy Spirit if you want to talk about the Holy Spirit next. I think we've kind of uh, covered this. uh, Yeah, because my thing would
1: be yeah my my thing would be that it states that we have a more sure word of prophecy, and where would prophecy for the most part be found in that statement because it wasn't the new testament written when jesus and the apostles and stuff was on the scene they was dealing with from genesis to malachi so if we had the same um the same functionality that they had and we had to function like they did with genesis to malachi could you show me the numerical value of three persons being in the one being from the Old Testament. I believe I could show you two. The, All the way through the Old Testament being within the Elohim of the Godhead. I don't. The,
0: the Trinity uh, I is I something. It. Yeah, the Trinity was something revealed between the Testaments fully. Uh, so I think right now would be a good time for us to actually transition since now you're bringing up the third person within the Godhead. Um, I think would be a good time for us to transition to first you, um, I I would like you to make your positive statement and I'll give you however long you want for who the Holy Spirit actually is. And then, um, I obviously, you already know my position. My position is that the Holy Spirit is fully God just as the, uh, the son and the father. Uh, but uh, I would like you to go ahead and now um, go ahead and make your statements for who you say the Holy Spirit is.
1: Well, the controversial statements I have to make right now is uh, simple, right? If we go to Revelation I'm going to still do mine based up on biblical text and show the premise in which I get this um, statement from, from my studies and from that which is written, not from any outside uh, sources of commentary, right? Um, Revelations 1 say the revelation of Jesus Christ. That person, as you like to say, I would say that that entity, that deity, that being, that person, right? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God, the other person, uh, being an entity and stuff, gave unto him to show unto his servants the things which must surely come to pass. He sent and sanctified it, signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. This is known as a protocol, a way of doing things. The father give it to the son, the son give it to the angel angel give it to the Israelite in the person of John here. Well, what was it the text say,
0: I, I want to grab your... What, what text were you at? Uh, I'll let you keep on going. I just want to... Like, one,
1: Revelations 1 and 1.
0: 1-1. One, one. Okay.
1: So it say, this, the father give it to the son. The son give it to the angel. The angel give it to the Israelite. Give it to John, the servant at that time, who it was to receive this revelation. In verse 2, say who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus and of all things that he saw. Now this says within the scope of Jesus talking about the comforter, the spirit of truth, the angel of God, right? From my perspective, that the one that in his presence most definitely. And you may have seen that on my website, um, that that's an angel that is a spirit that is holy, and therefore you could call it a holy spirit. How do I say this? Or how do I come about this? I go to uh, boo, 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 Isaiah sixty-three.
0: Look, look, can eight. I ask a quick point of clarification before we go on? Just a quick question: uh, Would you say that the angel is created or it has eternally existed?
1: Created. Okay. Angels are created entities, beings, persons or whatever terminology fits the course of the dialogue that we have because the definitions can be tricky or the terminology. But yes, angels are created beings, um, entities, persons or whatever. So in Isaiah 63 and the nine, it said in their afflictions, he was afflicted. This is talking about God. And the angel of his presence, the angel of God' presence, saved them. In the love and in the pity, he redeemed them. God redeemed him through his angel. He stayed in him. And he buried them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled against God and vexed his Holy Spirit. So here's the one that you're saying is the third person within the Trinity, that which was revealed in the New Testament. Right. So this say Holy Spirit is what the angel of God presence was being called. Right. And it said, therefore, he was turned to be their enemy. And he fought against them. Right. So now to get the angel of God presence, the only place we could find in the Bible to somewhat give us an idea of that understanding. Who is that angel? What is his name? So on and so forth. We go to Luke. One, and I believe the verse 15, it's somewhere around there. I will actually do better if I go to my website, but it's 19. It said, and the angel answered and said unto him, this is uh, him speaking to Zacharias, Gabriel speaking to Zacharias, uh, John the Baptist's father. I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and sent to speak unto thee and show, you, show thee glad tidings. So we see the angel Gabriel is known as the, or state that he's standing in the presence of God. We read about an angel of God present that was being called a Holy Spirit. And we see an angel also doing his thing in the protocol or in the Revelation 1, even bearing record of the things that he's seen in heaven. As we read in John 5 and what's that? There's three that bear record. The Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost, uh God, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. How do we read John five and what? First John Five first John 5 and four. I forget the that com- script.
0: The common Johannium. Yeah, it's first John Five, seven.
1: First five, seven, yeah. And I'm kinda hot here because I don't want to play that fan and make noise, but we'll work it out. Suffer for the word. So first John five and seven. It's another breakdown of the three that bear record in heaven like Revelation give us, but it calls the third person in this case, I would say being, entity, or whatever. I wouldn't say deity. It say for there are three that bear a record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Now, we know that we got God known as the Father in, in, in St. John 1. And we got the word also in St. John 1. We don't have the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit in St. John 1. So it's two beings in the beginning. And remember, the angels are created or the spirits are created, right? Because angels are spirits. Can we agree with that?
0: Yeah, they're ministering spirits. Yeah.
1: Correct. So now it's three to bear record there, it's three to bear record in Revelations 1. And that third was known as an angel and angels are spirits and the ones with God are holy. That would be my simple breakdown of the third within the doctrine of the Trinity that you're using saying that there's a third based up on the fact that those three individuals that's being spoken about, there the father, the word and the Holy ghost. I would say the Holy ghost is an angel. I would even argue that that's the angel Gabriel and that, you know, he is no deity or no theist or nothing like that. He's an angel. So with that said, I'm going to turn this fan on. You can mute me or I'll make it to the mute button and we, we can hear what you have to say on it.
0: Okay. Um, In Isaiah 63.9, which you quoted there, it says, In all their afflictions he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and his pity he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore he turned to be their enemy, and he himself uh, fought against them. This is the prophet Isaiah, through the Lord, uh, reminding the children of Israel about um, the angel, that had, um, uh, it says, it uses the the term malach, which is the Hebrew word for messenger or sometimes specifically angel, uh, which was uh, in the pillar of fire uh, um, in the time of the Exodus. And it says the angel of his presence saved them. It tells us in Isaiah that there is only one savior and that is God, Yahweh. He is the only savior. This text here is actually a prophetic or is a text speaking about Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the Eternal Son of God. In fact, uh, the angel of His presence here uses the Hebrew term uh, "panim malach," uh, the angel that was face to face with the Lord here, uh, which is the same language which is used in John chapter one verse one, where it says that uh, that the Word was. Cross Theon was uh, was with God, but it's a very close personal face to face relationship. And so in in uh, Isaiah 63 9 here, this is not referring to the Holy Spirit. This is in fact referring to Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. Now I want to go forward a little bit on your well, next hold up, theme. let's
1: deal with that because we have two different separate viewpoints there. And I think it's good for us to vet it out right here before we go on and add anything else that can muddy up the waters. Because I believe that it says the angel of His presence. Now, if we go back to that Hebrew one, we see that He never called an angel His begotten Son. Never did He say sit thee at My right hand to an angel. Not even a messenger in the in the in the in the uh, discourse that you just had. Which would try to denote that there was Jesus as a messenger and not really yeah. an angel, a angel, a a cherubim or anointed cherubim and an angel, yeah. you know. In the, so in the old in the old speaking. testament,
0: yeah, in the old testament we have multiple what's called Christophanes, angel of the Lord. And these are uh pre incarnate uh incarnations of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is not ontologically in his being. An who angel. told you that he's who not he's not a that? created being he's eternally god
1: who but, told you where did you read that i would need a source for that because that to me that's well, there's, like there's many examples. I I can, I,
0: yeah there's many examples of the of the angel of the lord you have him um uh, in uh re, in the burning bush in exodus chapter 3 in joshua the angel of the lord meets joshua you also have in Judges where he... Um,
1: so is that Jesus in the bush, though, is the question I would have to yes, ask.
0: That is correct. Um, and it says... Yep, that's correct. And, uh, in fact, Jesus uh, affirms himself as the ego me in John chapter 8 of Exodus chapter 3. But uh, in, for example, Judges chapter 6, the angel of the Lord in um, uh, comes to the parents of Gideon. Um and uh repeatedly it uses the term angel of the Lord and then um at the very end um he says um the father of I'm, not, I'm sorry, I've been saying
1: when in exodus three uh, it don't say the angel of the Lord, it just says no, in the bush. No, and as you say a minister spirit and those ministering spirits are of fire, right?
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. I was uh, Judges six is actually Gideon. I, I was talking about Samson. Uh, in Judges chapter six, the angel of the Lord appeared, and it was the Lord uh, speaking to him. Uh, if you just read that whole text, you'll see that the Lord is speaking to him through. I mean, the angel of the Lord is the Lord in speaking to him. Uh, we also see um, in uh, Judges thirteen, the angel of the Lord also appeared. And then once uh, the angel of the Lord left, it says in verse 21 of Judges chapter 13, it says, the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die for we have seen God.
1: Um, Well, this is the same thing with Jacob wrestling an angel, a literal angel, not Jesus Christ. He wasn't wrestling wasn't wrestling with Jesus Christ. Nor was it Jesus Christ in the bush; it was an angel speaking as the same way he did in the protocol in Revelation. Remember, that, that is what we' not change with God in the sense that his methodology of doing things is the same. So, as you say, if you could do me a favor, it's only four verses. Read me Judges two, one through four, and try to help me understand this angel here speaking. As God, just as, as you you was uh, denoting in, uh, well, in, uh I,
0: I use Judges six and thirteen. I didn't use Judges. Uh, four. Yeah, but I'm looking look for
1: I'm asking chapter two one through four if you could because I think it speaks a more clearer picture than the ones you um you brought out. And I would judges just like,
0: Judges chapter two verses one through four. Yes, um, it says now uh, the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to. Behoke him, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt. Wow, this is uh, clear. Uh, I mean, who is it that brought them up out of Egypt? It is God who brought them up out of Egypt and brought you into the land that I, I swore to give to your fathers. Uh, it, we know that it is God who swore to give this land to their fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Notice here that the angel of the Lord is actually saying that he is the one that made the covenant. With Abraham and with their fathers. And you shall uh, make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You shall uh, break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. This is the angel of the Lord speaking. What is this that you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall become thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare for you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept, and they called the name of the place Bochim, and they sacrificed there to the Lord, Yahweh. So we see here that the angel of the Lord here speaking is very, very obviously speaking as God. And that's because this is another Christophany. This is a pre incarnation of Jesus Christ.
1: So that's those are very fancy words and I know they carry a lot of doctrinal um teachings behind them. I'm not too familiar with them myself because I believe in just dealing with the text more than anything. Yeah, I so just read again, the text. yeah, I'm I'm good though. Once again, we we talking about an angel. Speaking as if he's God, right? You yep. saying the angel is God? He's not speaking as if he's God. He's, he, he is God based upon your
0: theology. Not, he what? is not a created. The angel of the Lord speaking. There is not a created being. It's a Christophany. It's a pre-incarnation. I, it is. I, he is not ontologically a uh, a angel. He is not a created being it? because in, in the text it is speaking as God. He is the one that brought them out of Egypt. He established the covenant with them. It shows so, his omnipotence at the end. There's power over the nations.
1: So if Moses be an angel in the sense of a messenger, right, and he go to Israel and speak the words of God, and he speak every word that God said, as God said, and he say, out of the Lord God, Israel brought you out of Egypt, right? Yeah would Moses then be Jesus Christ?
0: Moses didn't say that in that way. I'm just,
1: I'm just asking. I'm, just asking. Yeah. I'm not saying that it happened. I'm asking. It, this this, this
0: angel here said that he established the covenant with their fathers. He is the one that brought them out of the land of Egypt. The covenant was with him specifically. Um, the, the text is very obviously God speaking.
1: I mean, I understand but, that, but I'm but asking we, we question to do some logic and reasoning about the 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 fact that the text says something, but we have to try to and all I get and get understanding.
0: Well, and right? and I want to go back. We don't want to leave this angel of his presence in Isaiah sixty three nine, which you then take to Luke chapter one, and you say that because the angel Gabriel came from the presence of God. So therefore, he is the Holy Spirit. I think that is a major stretch, and the reason that it is a stretch is because the angel Gabriel goes on to speak here in um, uh, in both when he's speaking to uh, Zechariah in the temple. He says in verse in in Luke chapter one, verse uh, fifteen. This is the angel Gabriel speaking. And you say the angel Gabriel is the Holy Spirit, but this is interesting. So the angel Gabriel is speaking here to Zachariah, and it says, For he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink. This is speaking of the John the Baptist. He must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Uh, and then we see... Him so to, so what, him what, what are you saying here? What are you so saying here? Trying what to what I'm saying here is right, that you're saying Gabriel is the Holy Spirit, but he's saying he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's referring, he's referring, he's referring to another. He's not saying that he will be filled with me.
1: He's hold saying up, that he will be filled with the
0: saying. Holy Spirit.
1: I understand your problem with the understanding of what I stated, but you're trying to understand. So let me explain it to you. Okay. Number one, the Comforter the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Ghost being slang for spirit, right? It had that being, that entity, that person has more titles than Holy Spirit, right? So once again, when Jesus said, I will go and the Father will send another comforter, then that's talking about another person, which could play in your Trinity layout and doctrine, right? Which can play into that. I have no problem and I know you would try to tie it in there, right? Well, so that's another saying, comforter. That's what, what? not hold up. So listen, if another comforter is coming and it's not Jesus, then that other other comforter is another person.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got no so, argument argument sir, with me here.
1: Right. In the sense of the term that we're using now, if Jesus said he going to send you another comforter to bring you into all wisdom and understanding and knowledge of what he says. And then we go to Revelation and read him trying to get John the Baptist. Uh, now I'm saying Baptist John the Revelator, Revelation. Right. Then if he's trying to get him Revelation, he should be sending him the comforter. Right. But what do the scriptures denote when we read in Revelations one? It says an angel. If that angel is not the comforter, then Jesus would be lying because he did not send him the comforter. Now, if he say, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth. Listen, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth to bring you into all wisdom and knowledge of whatever I said unto you. In Revelation, we read Revelation, and he's sending an angel. If that angel is not the spirit of truth, then he will be lying again, right? Now, if he say, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And that angel be not the Holy Spirit, then the the functionality of how sending the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of the uh, Spirit of Truth unto one has been broken. He just sent an angel unto John the Revelator. He did not send that individual that we know as the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, or the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. Yeah, you're right. Making the- that would make yeah. him. That would make him falsify what he's doing. No,
0: you're, you're making the fallacy of equivocation. You're saying that, that because the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, which is uh, John, uh, where, where Jesus promises to bring the Holy Spirit, that if there is any angel that is sent as a messenger after Jesus makes that statement, uh, that all of those must be the Holy Spirit. That is a fallacy of equivocation. Messen- angels have always been messengers uh, uh, from God uh, throughout all of Scripture, uh, but there is a distinguishment very much. Now, I want to continue here in uh, Luke chapter one uh, uh, to go on to even demonstrate this even further. Well, and, before you go and, there,
1: let me make what? a clear cut point that I made when I initiated the conversation in Revelations 1 and verse 2. It said, This angel bear a record of everything he's seen in heaven. So now, once again, we had three individuals with John right? The Father giving the word to Jesus, Jesus giving the word to the angel to deliver it unto John, and that angel bear a record. Now, if we go to First John 5 and 7, it gives us three other individuals, just as we read about the three individuals in Revelation 1, and it said the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. So once again, if those things are not equivalent, You will have to show me how they're not equivalent to each other and how the functionality of getting a message to the revelator, John, came by way of the comforter or the Holy Spirit or the spirit of truth, because that's the methodology in which Jesus denoted and explained to us he was going to work. And so if he's not working in that functionality, then he falsified his methodology
0: yeah what you're doing there like i said is you're making the fallacy of equivocation you're you're assuming that just because jesus said that he would send the holy spirit which was his promise uh to the apostles that his spirit would guide them and i think specifically in the writing of scripture that if any angel is sent as a messenger later on that there is a correlation and that somehow falsifies that if that angel is not the holy spirit i i think that's a that's a big stretch there, and I'll let the audience make that determination, but I want to continue here in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, where it says the angel Gabriel then came to Mary, and um, it says, uh, and Mary said to the angel, this is Gabriel, how will this be since I'm a virgin, in, in verse 34, and the angel answered okay. her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, he didn't say I will come upon you, it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. We see the Trinity right here within the incarnation itself. We see the Holy Spirit will come upon okay. you. We see the power of the Most High, God the Father, and we see the Son of God. The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. We see all three members of the triune God present here at the incarnation itself and we see the angel gabriel is the messenger bringing a, that and he is speaking about three persons separate from himself uh he's not saying that let's, i will come upon you he's saying the whole well let's
1: let's read that let's read that because truly that's what he's saying we go look at it what's that give me a second I'm actually trying to, do you have a chat up too, where people can talk on this side?
0: Uh, yeah, the chat's
1: there. People Cause I'm going to the- on to the, uh, okay, well, it's good. I just want to look at this and uh, see if people in the chat just being nosy. So uh, let's go look at that. Right. In this state um, first 30. Let me see. 34. As you read, then said Mary unto the angel, right? We know that this angel is Gabriel, correct? Yep. Okay. So Gabriel is who she talking to. Then said Mary unto the angel, which we know is Gabriel. How should this thing be seeing I know not a man. Right. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come over thee. Right.
0: He doesn't say I
1: will the highest. Huh?
0: He doesn't say, I will come over you. He says the Holy Listen, Ghost will come right.
1: over you. The Holy Ghost shall come up over you, come up on thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of the Highest, right? Of God. So, the Most High God, so on and so forth. Why is it called the Most High God? Is it the Lord God? But anyway... Mary's asking how this thing going to happen. The thing is already taking place. When we pick it up at 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her, carrying out what it's going to take for it to happen. Now, as you say, he didn't say he going to come up on the No, he didn't say that. But the very thing he's doing now is bringing about the birth that he's proclaiming. And he, and he's telling her the functionality that's going to take place. And the functionality is already in action when he does it. Watch as we read, right? Because he's explaining it to her. What's going on? What's going to take place? She say, how is it going to take place? So he give a def- definitive answer so if someone asks her this is my add-on if someone asks her she'll say the holy ghost came over me and that which is born of me is of god i knew not a man we could even go to the matthew and read what he said gabriel or the dialogue take place i won't say gabriel because i can't remember the the logistics of the uh the text but we let's keep reading and the angel came in unto her and said, "How?" Thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, woman. And when she saw him, she was troubled and sick. And he in his saying, at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Not you will find favor with God, thou house found favor with God, right? And behold, Thou shalt conceive in thy womb. Now he's he's actually finna go into play, and then he explaining as I said, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He's not saying after the Holy Ghost come up on thee. He's speaking as if this thing should be, right? And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there should be no end. That is the conversation. After that, Mary say, hold up, though, angel. How should this thing be? And he says the functionality of how it shall be. And that's the Holy Ghost going to come up on thee. Could, could he you didn't go? have to say going to come up on thee. He didn't have to explain it to her like that, right? So let's just get another uh, version of this in Matthew. I think it reads better over there, but let's just go right there just for edification's sake right we're gonna go to matthew and in matthew one if i ever get there he's talking to joseph who's talking to joseph let's see 18 now the birth of jesus christ was on this wise when as his mother mary was espoused to joseph before they came together she was found with child of the holy ghost not the holy ghost gonna come up on her, right that she's going to be that she's found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was mine to put her away privately. But while he was, while he thought on this thing, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her. Is of the Holy Ghost. Okay. When did um, the Holy Ghost come? We never, we never read where the Holy Ghost come and does this thing,
0: but okay. in, know that uh,
1: it happens. Right? Can, can,
0: can you can you do me a favor? Go back to Luke chapter one. Let's go look at verse thirty five. I want to ask you for a tense of a verb here. So, um, in Luke chapter one thirty five, and the angel answered her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Is "will" a future tense verb or a past tense verb?
1: It says "shall" in the KJV. What okay, you
0: read? well, I'm okay. That's fine. We can use the word "shall." Is "shall" a future tense verb or a past tense verb?
1: Well, it's, it's future tense.
0: Future tense. Okay, so that completely refutes what you were just saying. You were saying that uh, that angel Gabriel was describing what had already happened,
1: right? Yeah. Once again, showing in Matthew that he's doing the same thing to Joseph. Okay. He said, so, I, I, he on, said that it's complete, right? He's saying that it's complete here. We talking here and you using shell. Okay. I give you that. I don't have no problem with that. That's how the tense work, right? But the question is now, when did it happen? Let's see the functionality of it take place. I'm inserting that when Gabriel did what he did, the functionality took place because he is the Holy Ghost. Now, if you can show me any other time in the scriptures where this take place, then I would consider that and say, okay, well, my understanding of it is incorrect due to the fact that here's where the Holy Spirit came and carried out the task that Gabriel was explaining.
0: Okay, so I'll leave what I've said on that. Um, let it stand where it's at. Uh, the next question I wanted to ask you is you said that the uh, – the angel is a or the the Holy Spirit is a created being, right? So he is not he is not eternal.
1: The well, angel God. is a created being, and if the Holy Spirit, a holy angel being the Holy Spirit, okay. holy angel, you know his terms in the Bible say holy angel, right?
0: Yeah. So so you're that, saying that the my Holy question, Spirit
1: I asked a question to uh-huh. get clarity so I can see if we don't want to cool or not. So if a holy angel is a spirit, would that be considered a Holy Spirit?
0: Uh, not in the sense of the uh, third person of the Trinity, no.
1: Now, I say I didn't say that that angel would be the Holy Spirit. I'm just asking if a holy angel, which is a spirit, could we proclaim that as a Holy Spirit? Seeing the well, Spirit is holy, could we well, proclaim I'm it?
0: Also- I'm also a spiritual being, and because of Jesus Christ, I'm called holy, but that doesn't make me a holy spirit. That language is not used anywhere in the scripture of an angel. No angel is called holy spirit. So while you're making a correlation there, because angels are ministering spirits— I mean, you've
1: got to make and, correlations between things. If they correlate, if they no. don't correlate, then I see what you could say. Well, why are you trying to fit something together that don't fit? That's yeah. like saying anything yeah. that fits. You you, it's a problem because you're putting it together, you know. Yeah. Uh, if, if I I was I, I mean, I'm a, uh, man, man is, is
0: man is a spirit, and because of Jesus Christ, we're holy. But that man is not holy spirit. A spirit.
1: Man was made a living soul in uh Genesis two and seven. It instead was made a live spirit. It said he was made a living soul, and he put a spirit called a breath of life within him. So man consists of the dirt of the ground and the breath of life, which which. The totality is a living soul. Once you go through that process, a God process made man a living soul. I've never read what man is a spirit. Okay,
0: um, let's. Uh, so going back to um, the Holy Spirit um, is a created being. So you would deny that the Holy Spirit is eternal,
1: right? Well, angels are eternal after they got they got created, and all angels with God are Holy Spirits
0: that's not that's not eternal um uh, eternal uh means uh, to have always existed only god is eternal to live,
1: to live eternally is to live internally now that when did, not, eternally, when did eternals when do eternal
0: that is that is not to be by god nature
1: huh
0: that is not to be by nature eternal to be by nature I understand eternal. the
1: two I understand the two the two things that you're putting down that God is eternal he has always been but mm-hmm. man is eternal and angels are eternal once God created them show me when they will not exist ever again in eternity because if they won't exist in eternity then therefore they won't have eternity but if they will exist in eternity then you cannot take them out of eternity You just say they did not start in the beginning like God, and then they came along in this chronology or this period of time, and now that they're here, they are forever eternal. If you understand and comprehend and can agree to the fact that now that they're here, they're never going to fall off the scene, because those that make it to the kingdom with God is going to be in eternity with God. He even say you have eternal life. So if he say you have eternal life, who are we? to say well man is not eternal and if angels gonna exist from the time they was created to the end of eternity which is no end to eternity as i know it infinity and beyond right then he's eternal he's either gonna be in the kingdom also with man and god or he's gonna be in the lake of fire with satan and the wicked ones so that's eternal eternal life or eternal damnation you can't take that from uh any creation creation or creature the earth is eternal
0: okay. all these
1: things will be heaven.
0: so i want you to read uh hebrews um nine fourteen for me please
1: hebrews nine fourteen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 9 and 14 say, and how much more shall the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Okay, so
0: the Greek word there for eternal is "ionios," which means without beginning and end, which has always been and always will be, without beginning. That's the actual definition of it.
1: What's the English word there, though? Uh, you're talking about what it was translated from. What about the eternal. translation?
0: E- eternal, eternal, which means. So what you did,
1: what's the definition of that?
0: Each, the definition of eternal means without beginning and end.
1: Without beginning or end, mm-hmm. what, you, what? What? Are you, what? You? Where's your primary? What you reading from? What's your reference?
0: Well, if you look up. Uh, what I would do is go back to what the original Greek is, and it's the word "ionios," which is where "eternal" is translated from, and the definition of it is without beginning or end, which always has been and always will be.
1: And, and, and that is the
0: outline of its usage within the text of
1: Scripture. So, my question will be in reading that: Do it has like one, two, the different layers of the definition? in the different places it could be used in a different way or do it has just one definition in which it states because dealing with dictionaries, I know it give us two or three different ways the word could be used and the definition could be used as we did with um, the word earlier. So I'm not looking it up because I would rather just deal with eternal and I know to live in eternity right from you is like have no beginning to no end right let, let me but ask you that uh. my question is if jesus said he give to us life eternal then mm-hmm. what you saying because we didn't have a because we do have a beginning and we have an end to this life that we do not fit in eternity
0: yeah, that's giving us something that we did not have. I am not eternal, as the Spirit is called here. I can be given life eternal, which means that it's something I did not always possess. I am now given given it, so now I will live on forever, which is what eternal life well, means in that text. But I am not by nature eternal. Um, but
1: well, that's just trying to make a, that's just trying to make a, a a parallel to your doctrine and your understanding of your doctrine and and basing it in the context of your doctrine because eternity is just that. Now, when you look at the the definition and you say, well, it don't have a beginning nor an end, then you say, well, man got a beginning. How can he live in eternity or receive eternity or eternal life? And he has a beginning then. It's the question that has to be answered and dealt with. And if, if you can't explain that, then that will be a problem with the text because God said he's going to give life eternal. So if he's going to give life eternal, then that means somewhere along the line, you exist in eternity. Though you have a beginning and to have an end to this life, but is this life or is there an afterlife or life beyond this, which you will have to deal with? And would that life be eternal or would that life have an end to it? This is the, this is what we would have to do. This is the task at hand to bring understanding to those type of things. We can't um, just leave it dry like that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I kind of, I gave, I already gave my expl- explanation for life eternal, so I, I don't know what else to say. Um, In, uh, earlier in our conversation, you said that one of the attributes of God was omnipresent. Uh, you still hold to that?
1: Yeah, because the angels are the presence of God. They they go out. It's called seven angels are his eyes, right? So meaning if God, if God can see everything, it's due to the fact that these seven angels are his eyes. You know what I'm saying? So he worked through his angels. Therefore, as long as his angels are present, being hedges unto his servants, and also demons messing with them, because whether they're demons or whether they're holy, they still function as God tell them to function. So you may
0: have he, you may have misunderstood my question. Uh, maybe I didn't phrase it right.
1: I mean, uh, your is based in a certain way to bring about a certain thing. And I, I mean, most of the time, some of this stuff that I've found going to shows and stuff is like preloaded, especially with a doctrine and the teaching and stuff. So I mean, I appreciate the questions and the opportunity to answer answer them, but it's still is what we're doing now is working in the uh, framework of your doctrine, right? And so I'm asking questions too, but the majority is the framework of your doctrine, and we're trying to get an understanding. So I, I'm not really getting a great opportunity for you to okay.
0: you can come anybody. back.
1: And you know. And I don't know how long we're going to go, but that's no, what can, I, I asked you about. Yeah, I'm ahead. asking you about eternity right now, and the, and the fact that we can look it up, let me go to Bible gateway and get that statement, uh, eternal life, right?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, eternal life, um, I'll, I'll explain it the way I did before. Eternal life is something that is given to somebody that does not have, um, uh, eternality. Uh, I am a created being, um, I am not, uh, uh, I do not carry any of the eternal attributes of God. Uh, I have not always existed, um. I have been created in time, and so for me to live forever from from this point on, God must give me eternal life. That must be something that God gives me. Um, but I am not in my own nature um, eternal. I can never be described as the eternal Jason. <laughs> uh, that would be blasphemous, in fact, to call me that because uh I have not uh, I do have a finite beginning. And for me to even continue to live on um, is by God's grace and giving me and granting me eternal life, uh, which means that uh, I will live forever in his presence. um, But I, that is not part of my uh, nature and essence uh, to. Yeah. I mean,
1: I I love the way you go to uh, uh, nature and essence and all of those things, because that takes you into the, the uh, spiritual realm, and it even takes you into the uh, the terminology of figur- figurative language, being able to speak on something in a way that's not literal. And if you're gonna do that, uh, you will have to be as Jesus did with the rest of the world. He spoke to certain people in uh, dark sands because he said it was for others to know it. But in this time of place, unless things are to be spoken in a dark sand when he was speaking to his disciples and anyone I would say, listening to the show or whatever should be disciples of people in the sense that they're following the teachers or the teachings of a teacher, then it would be best if you give us the literal aspect of the figurative, you know, statements that, that are made because we need to know literally what God is talking about. And that's the only we gonna, only way we're going to understand it. Because when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said, are you without understanding? And then he interpreted or he laid it out to the people. So, I mean, in the way of dealing with this conversation, which I like, you know, using certain terminologies and certain things takes away from the the, the most definitely the KJV, which I use is right, because we use another terminology we use using things of that nature. Two gods It's not two gods now because they're two persons, one being, and trying to explain that to people. When I see two, I see two. You know what I'm saying? And it's literally literally written two, one and one, God and God. So, I mean, it's a great conversation. I don't know how much longer we're going to go because we at 951. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it was was good. Uh, the, really the only, um, I I appreciate, uh, the time. Um, I mean, I can go on for another about 10 minutes if, uh, if you want to, um, if you want to go ahead and I I appreciate uh, you coming on here though. Uh, you know, I mean, Carl, the, the main reason is, um, that, uh, you know, I, I do these things and I, and I talk to people is because, um, you know, I think that these things are important, which I think you would too. And, uh, you know, I think that, um, uh, for example, uh, Jesus uh, tells us in uh, John eight twenty four that unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So the question is, is what does he mean by that? So what we believe about God and what we believe specifically about Jesus actually matters. And so, um, and uh, it tells us in, First uh, John, uh, chapter two, verse three, it says no one who denies the son as the father and whoever confesses the son as the father also. So what we believe about the son and what we believe about the father is of immense importance and what we believe about the gospel specifically that, uh, God by his grace justifies the ungodly, uh, Romans four five and, um, that, uh, that it's about the gospel. And so, um, you know the reason I have these conversations with people is because um, uh, it is my wish and desire that God, by His Spirit, would uh, guide us into all truth, which uh, Jesus told us that He would send us the Comforter, uh, the Holy Spirit. Um, and the Father will send in My name, and He will guide you into all truth. And so, it is my hope that through this uh, reaching out, that uh, the, the Spirit of God will move, and that He will guide people into all truth. And so that is why I have these discussions. I think these are important things. I think you do too. And I think that's why you have them. So um I appreciate uh, you coming on and having this dialogue uh, with me. Um I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, well I appreciate it too, because if nothing else, it give me a chance to um to um uh, allow people to hear my perspective, you know, without, you know, truly arguing and fighting, but yeah. reading and talking with each other. And, you know, in having this dialogue, I'm saying things, but I'm not given a chance to break them down, which I do do. And, um, you know, certain shows that I do is lessons and stuff. So uh, in all actuality, I have a, I have a three lessons dealing with the Holy Spirit and stuff on my website, which is IsraelDoctrineEntertainment.com. All you got to do is go to the text section. And it's like the last three in that section. Uh, The first one will deal with the Trinity facts of fiction, which you quoted from tonight. And me using that terminology once again, like I said, I try to speak the language of other people. I don't too much get into Greek, Hebrew and, you know, reading uh, the historical aspects. I believe when people bring it, we can vet it out, you know, from the source text that they bring. Are the primary things that they bring to the table we could deal with it um but it speaks on it and it breaks down you know my perspective of the uh trinity of its facts of fact of fiction then the rest of it deal with the next one is like dealing with the holy spirit or the different uh i forget the term that's used in there but the different um facets of the word spirit in the bible Uh, Jesus saying, John 6 and 63, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life I would also call them holy. So therefore his words are Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Word of God, which is written to me is Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Spirit. Um, The angels, which are spirits and holy, are Holy Spirits. So when you talk about the Holy Spirit that Feels a man, I say that's the word of God. I don't say it's an angel. When he's talking about sending a messenger or a comforter or a spirit of truth, I believe that to be one of his holy angels and to be specifically the angel Gable who uh, gave the same, well, he fits the job title. Every time he come, he bring wisdom, knowledge, and skill and understanding to those he come uh, deal with. And um, as I showed and tried to show that in the protocol of God and even in his methodology of sending that comforter, spirit of truth, uh, Holy Spirit. He used the angel to denote that action in Revelation and also tied it into first John five and seven with the three that bear record in heaven. He also said that angel bear record in heaven, knowing that the angel is in heaven because he's a holy one to. Uh, wants that follow Satan has no more place there. So that holy angel bear record in heaven, which is a Holy Spirit. The word, which is Jesus, gave a revelation. So it bears record of what the father told him in the heaven. And all three of them bear record as First John 5 and 7. So that's just how I tried to tie it in and stuff. And I like the questions because it allowed me to speak about it in ways that I probably normally would address it. So once again, I believe it was a great show. Um, I appreciate you reaching out, uh, not having any prejudice, prejudice, uh, viewpoints towards me or whatever, even though, you know, we talk like, are you affiliated with the black Hebrew Israelites, this and that, you know? So that's a, that's a godly attribute there. So like you said, you're not God, but you, you carry one of those attributes and that's a beautiful thing.
0: Well, I have to say you, uh, you you have you have a fantastic beard, which is something I'd like to have, but uh, my wife doesn't want like to grow it that big. So, <laughs> <I appreciate it. laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd I'd like to grow it out to about like that, but uh, my my wife uh, gets on my case. That's <laughs> what having
1: a wife would do. Your your beard is not your beard anymore.
0: <laughs> nope, it's not.
1: <laughs> right.
0: So, uh, I uh, I appreciate it, Carl. Um, hopefully, uh, this was helpful to you too, and I hope for um. Some of your listeners, if uh, if any of them watch this, Uh, so um, appreciate you uh, jumping in here, and uh, I think we're going to go ahead and call the show. And uh, so, thank you everyone for joining us. You will find uh, this on the YouTube channel. You also find this on the website, and uh, this will be a podcast and in the feed. uh, I'll probably do it tomorrow morning. I'll add it to the feed. So, thanks everyone for joining us. Yeah, yeah.
1: It said I download, and upload. This episode on my channel.
0: Yeah, if you if you want me to, I can uh provide you the MP4 file. Do you want? W- would you be fine with that?
1: Yeah, I mean that's cool. I could just. I, and then you can just do upload it. Your it. Way. Do it your way because it might be a lot better than the way I want to do it. So yeah, we're gonna try it your way. Uh,
0: I'll I'll grab the MP4 file. I'll get it to you, um, and then you can just upload it into your channel. So okay. Oh, and all I, right.
1: I appreciate once again, and hopefully, we could talk again.
0: Okay. God bless. Uh, Don't you know that the unjust will not inherit God's kingdom? through Adam's offense Condemnation came to man And so